Hello and welcome to Family Renewal. I'm Israel Wayne, your host. We hope you'll stay with us for the next 30 minutes as we take a look at faith, family, and culture, all through the lenses of a biblical worldview. This program is a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. Well, welcome to another episode of the Family Renewal Podcast. I am Israel Wayne, and I have another great guest on this program. I'm excited to have Nikki Truesdell, who is an author and a homeschooling mom. She is the author of a great book called Anyone Can Homeschool. Subtitle is called Overcoming Obstacles to Home Education. Nikki, welcome to our podcast. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Well, I'm going to just play off of this title a little bit here, the Anyone Can Homeschool uh, title, because I'm going to say that when people see that title, they're going to say, well, that's not literal. She surely doesn't mean that literally. She misnamed her book. Uh, What she means is that uh, privileged elite people get to homeschool. Obviously, not everyone is in a situation where they can teach their children at home. It's not practical for everyone. Not everyone's qualified to teach their children. I want to dive in by letting you answer that question a little bit by telling us a bit of your backstory, because your backstory really kind of answers the questions uh, about, you know, do you really mean this literally that anyone can homeschool? And and I also will say um, that I, I think there's some amazing parallels that you and I have in terms of our backstory, um, that I I think there's a lot of similarities there. And maybe we'll discuss that as we go on. But um, tell us about your experience with home education and how you got connected to it and what your homeschool journey has looked like. Okay, well, I, uh, like you, I'm a second generation homeschooler. My parents took us out of public school in 1983 and started homeschooling. And I, so I was 11 years old at the time. And from that point forward, my sister and I were homeschooled. Um, I ended up finishing out my senior year at a private Christian school where I live and then went on to college. Um, But I loved homeschooling, even in the 80s, even when there were very few other people doing it. um, You know, it was nothing like today, but I loved the, the family closeness. I loved the flexibility of education. And there were so many things about it that even as a kid, I was sold on. And so there was never a question in my mind when I had kids, whether we would do that. I just, I just would. Um, My first child was born in 96. And, um, you know, homeschoolers that have been doing this a long time will say, well, we've been homeschooling since they were born. And, and I would say the same thing. There was not a, a kindergarten start date. It just, education just started happening. And so I've been homeschooling for over 20 years now. And the title of this book actually came out of a lot of experiences I had as a mom along the way. And, you know, the first, I I actually posted about this today, but the first 15 years or so of my homeschooling journey as a mom were me struggling through life and homeschooling. And I wasn't planning to prove to the world that it could be done. I was just living life and that life included Um, a divorce from an abusive husband and literally running away one day and and going somewhere else to be safe and starting over. And at that point I had two children. We'd already started homeschooling and it never crossed my mind to do anything different. It didn't occur to me 
to send them to school because now I have to get a job. I just thought, how do I get a job and keep raising my children this way? And that set me on a journey of many years of asking that question, no matter what happened, whether it was, um, you know, single motherhood. And along with that comes budget constraints, obviously. And um, I did remarry after two years and I have a, a wonderful husband now, but we've gone through several different things, including uh, huge financial hits and multiple moves. And um, I've suffered migraines my whole life, which can knock me out for a day or two. And then there's always the question that, you know, you're not qualified because you didn't go to college and get a teaching certificate, or maybe you dropped out of high school. So many of these things have been part of my personal journey. And I eventually heard myself telling people, no, anyone can do this. I'll tell you how. I'll tell you why anyone can do this. Because like you said, the question always comes up, well, how, how can I do it? I don't fit this narrative that I think homeschoolers fit into. I'm not wealthy. I'm not self-employed. You know, I'm not college educated. All of those things people think you have to have. I proved that you don't. And so I would talk to people on the phone and I would invite them to my house or we'd meet at the park. And of course, online, I answered that question all the time. And I was always typing these long answers. And my husband said, you should just put this in a book. And I laughed at him at first. And then I thought, that's exactly what I need to do. And so I started that about three or four years ago and just published it last summer. And it really does literally mean everyone can homeschool. Anyone can do it if you understand how education works. So I'm going to be uh, this, the facetious devil's advocate here okay. during the interview and say, well, you know, y- your mom was able to homeschool you because she was like a Harvard graduate or something, right? Right. Well, nope. My mother dropped out of high school when she had me at 14 years old and she never went back. So she was not a Harvard grad. She was not a high school grad. In fact, she remarried when I was eight years old. And my stepdad, who I've always just known as my dad, uh, also did not graduate college. He did go take some classes. So I had two um, undereducated parents, as many people might call them. But what they had was a conviction and a determination. And so they met some homeschool families in the early 80s, and they suddenly saw this whole alternative to education. And based on their own experiences growing up in the public school system, they wanted something different. And when they realized there was this possibility, they took it. And so didn't matter what their education was because, uh, you know, curriculum is easy to come by with all the, all of the information you could possibly need. And that was in the eighties without internet. (laughs) So if they could do it, then anyone can do it. So how this is a question that I've heard uh, a lot over the years, and, and I'll just this this podcast is about you. It's not about me, but I want to just chime in and give you a little give the listeners a little bit of my background, too, because I just want to reinforce what Nikki's saying here that my mom got married as a teenager. Uh, my mom and dad got divorced when I was six. Um, she remarried and uh, was in an abusive marriage from the time I was six to the time I was 15. After that, she was a single parent of, of six, myself and five sisters. So six kids as a single parent. My mom dropped out of school in ninth grade. Yeah. Um, so that there's a lot of similarities. Very we were similar. Back in the 80s, 
uh, when not only was it not popular, it was against the law. Yes. Uh, <laughs> you had to to keep it under wraps that you were homeschooling. There was not support uh, from the church or from family or friends. You were completely no. alone. And so um, I also resonate with with what you're saying. And one of the things I've heard, so I'm going to throw this at you, is uh, how was your mom able to home educate you during high school when she didn't go to high school herself? Uh, Explain that. How does that work? That's a good question. And high school does scare a lot of people. So I'll tell you how she did it. And that was with curriculum, (laughs) you know, teacher guides. She had help. My uncle was also homeschooling his kids, my aunt and uncle, and my uncle would come and tutor me in subjects where I needed help. So even back then there was, there was help to be gotten if you just asked. And so we, he would come over once or twice a week and help me with math and science, which were not my strong subjects or my mom's. My dad was actually very smart, even though he didn't go to college to get that way. He was one of those people that just was interested in everything and understood everything. And so he helped a lot with the things that my mom couldn't, but we used rod and staff curriculum at that time. And also ACE and both of those are pretty straightforward with teacher manuals. And so what you don't know, you can get help with even back then with such limited resources, it it wasn't hard. And um, when I went to the Christian school for my senior year, I graduated as the salutatorian of the class and they were surprised. They, She even said, the principal said at our award ceremony that she was surprised that my grades were real since I had come from homeschooling. <laughs> and then I went on to college and earned a bachelor's degree. So uh, it didn't matter that my mom was not a high school or college graduate. Um, we, we went all the way through high school, no problem. People are surprised to find that research has shown that the academic pedigree of the parent really doesn't make much difference within a home education environment. Homeschool students tend to score about 30 percentile higher than public school students, uh, whether their parents are high school graduates or not high school graduates or have college degrees or teaching certificates or PhDs. All homeschoolers generally, on average, tend to do well despite the level of academic uh, education of their parents. And so the, the key to that, of course, is the aspect of involvement, parental involvement. And so that brings us to the single parent question, uh, because people say, well, you certainly cannot homeschool your children if you're a single parent, but you're saying you did it. Um, my mom did it. Well, what is I know that? so many people that do. Oh, right. And there are thousands, thousands of single yeah. parents that homeschool. And, and you and I will, will agree I know just, you know, from the, the get-go that there's a lot more we can do as a, a yes. homeschool community, as a Christian community to help single parents. There's a lot more that we can do to help them be successful um, than, than even what's already being done, what's available. But what what are some things that you would say for somebody who's a single parent who feels like I can't do this because I have to work a job? Oh, and yes. what, what does that look like? Well, what I tell people is that there's not one answer to that question because everyone's life is different. It depends on, do you have a job and what kind of job is it? What are your hours? Do you work at home or do you leave the house? How old are your kids? Have they already homeschooled or are you taking them out of school right now? There's so many things that go into it. And that's why the first two chapters of the book are so important because 
I try to help understand that education is not only what we know from the public school system. It's their system was designed for the public school system, but that's not actually the only way to educate children. And it can be done on any schedule, on any budget. It can be done on all day Saturday or in the evenings. Or, you know, if you have older children, they can learn to be self-sufficient for the most part. You know, they need they need parental guidance, but it's it's hard to answer that question one way because everyone's house is different. It's like telling everyone you got to cook your green beans this way. No, you don't. <laughs> you can do it any way you want to. And so it's the same way with homeschooling. You just have to figure out what your family needs. Do your kids need more oversight or can they handle some schoolwork on their own? Do you have friends or neighbors that are willing to help? Or like you said, um, homeschool group or church. That's one of the things I'm so passionate about. And I keep trying to tell people If you know a single homeschooling parent, please ask them, what can I do to help you? Whether it's bring them supper or, you know, oversee the kids one day, you know, watch them while they do their schoolwork or get them groceries. You know, there's so many different things that these moms need. It's hard to just say what one thing, but ask them, just say, I see what you're doing and I want to help. What do you need? I've written some things on working parents or working from home. And so you really just have to first say, what kind of education do I want to give my kids? And how am I going to fit that in the schedule that we have? Then you go from there. But I remember my single motherhood years as probably the hardest that I've ever been through. And I've been through some other hard things too, but that's hard. I I don't, I didn't consider myself an empowered woman or a strong woman or any of that stuff. It was just hard. And I cried almost every night, but I knew that God gave me these children to disciple and sending them off to be in the care of other people was not the way that I wanted that to happen. And so um, every day was hard and I just would wake up each day and say, how are we going to do this today? And God provided so many different things in so many different ways because I was just living in faith. I I have to say that about the whole book. You need to trust God in every situation because he does provide and he does send you what you need when you need it. If you just trust him. Amen to that. And, (laughs) you know, I know from my experience, just watching my, my mom try to run a a home business. She started a publishing company and trying to homeschool six kids and run a business. Uh, I don't think there is a tougher gig in the universe than being a single parent. I don't think so either. It's, it's immensely difficult. So so when you're a single parent, you feel like this is really hard. It's not just you imagining it. It actually it is hard. that hard. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it, but it doesn't mean that it can't be done. And, you know, you, you said a couple of times this word conviction. Um, that was where my mom was. She just believed mm-hmm. that, you know, there was no way she was ever going to send us to an anti-Christian school. Right. And so even though we got caught a couple of times for homeschooling, ended up in court a couple of times. She just had this tenacious commitment that well, my kids are going to get a Christian education. And, um, and one thing I forgot to mention was what we did for curriculum. Um, I was blessed because of my mom, her her job was she started a national homeschool magazine. Mm-hmm. And so uh, she developed relationships with some publishers. And one of the curriculum companies that was out in the 80s was a Becca and they had a video curriculum and I did high school with them. I used a lot of different things throughout my journey. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and so I, I used most of the major programs at some point, but in high school, I did the video curriculum Mm -hmm. 
And so it was like being in a Christian school classroom Mm -hmm. in your home. And I wouldn't recommend that method. Like for my kids, I don't use that because uh, it takes so long uh, for them to sit and watch all the classes and all of that. I don't use that now, but I got a great quality Christian education. Mm -hmm. uh, And my mom's philosophy was to teach us how to be independent learners, to teach ourselves um, because she said, you know, a lot of these subjects I never even studied, but if you know how to read and you know how to think, and you know how to study and how to learn, you can teach yourself and that's transferred into adulthood. And I think that's one of the things yes. that you're talking about is parents need to not just teach their children information, yeah. but they need to teach them how to learn and to equip them sort of like, you know, feeding them fish versus teaching them how to fish. It's mm-hmm. that kind of analogy. Uh, so what are some things you've done with your children just to help, uh, inculcate in them this, this desire to teach themselves, this love for lifelong learning? What does that look like practically for you in your situation as, as you're trying to teach your children to be lifelong learners? Well, I will tell you, it started with my childhood. Um, I, but, you know, we did the basic subjects because homeschooling was new and and not everybody was doing it. And so it looked a lot different then for me than it does now as a mom. And so we had the basic subjects, textbooks, and just went through marking off the list, but it didn't take all day. And so we had lots of free time. And so we were encouraged to learn even then, which meant at that time, you know, going to the library or, yeah, basically it was limited to the library because there was no internet and we didn't have a TV at our house for many, many years. So we learned how to do all the things that we wanted to do. My sister and I both, and she became interested in photography. And to this day, she still is a photographer. I le- my mom taught me how to sew. And then I taught myself how to make quilts. And she taught me gardening and healthy eating. And then I went further and taught myself about herbal remedies and homeopathy and, you know, all the different things that she taught me how to learn so that I could keep learning. And I never did stop. I just kept exploring the world in in my own way and so that's naturally passed on to my kids obviously it's so much easier to look up things now with the internet so I try to show the kids when they ask me a question how to find the answer whether it's you know we have quite a home library here whether it's through books or learning how to safely use the internet how to ask someone that knows already you know and then one of the things that I focus on because I feel like it's so important nowadays, and I know that you feel the same way, is helping them to understand what a worldview is and tying everything that you know to that. And so I think that's one of my heaviest focuses at home when whatever we're learning or whatever video we just saw on TV or you know, a news story or what someone said or what the pastor said, we we talk. I think talking to your kids is one of the most important things conversation, debate. What do you think? Did you know about this? Um, Let's look up some more information. What does the Bible say? Everything that's going on in the world right now is a worldview issue. It really is. And so I can see that in my grown kids that they they know how to look and think about those things. And even in my uh, kids at home, the teenagers, especially that they're learning how to think through things and how to find the best information and how to figure out, is this the best information even because we talk? I think that's one of the most important things that I'm still appalled that I don't see enough of in families. is just family time and conversation 
and shepherding. So uh, lots of books, lots of guidance, and lots of conversation is what I would say my answer is. So I'm going to assume if you're homeschooling, then that means that either you're independently wealthy or (laughs) uh, the government is giving you money to buy curriculum because how could anybody afford to buy? I mean, textbooks and curriculum is expensive. Education is expensive. I mean, the government schools now spend about $12,600 a year per student. Yes. So that's a lot of money. Mm-hmm. So if you're, if you have four children, I mean, goodness, that's $50,000 a year. You must be spending on curriculum. Um, how do you, how do you afford that? Well, no, I am not wealthy and no, I do not receive government funds for anything. So except for when they send out stimulus checks to bless us all, <laughs> which I don't support, by the way, Um A lot of people do misunderstand what it costs to educate a child. And so I have a kind of a a two-sided answer to that because I believe in quality curriculum, quality resources, but I also believe you do what you need to do. And I mean, as a single mom, I remember we just, I bought a $3 uh, language arts book at a used book sale one time and we used that thing over and over But when I've had the money to do so, I will buy the quality curriculum because it matters. You know what your resources do matter. And so if I know someone that's desperately broke and I totally understand desperately broke because I've been there, I say start with the free stuff and just work your way through it. And when you have some money to work with, pick that subject that you either you need a lot of help with, like maybe you need a really good science curriculum that provides all the answers or it's on video or something, spend it there. Or if you need a tutor, use the money for that. Someone to help you with algebra. That's me. I, I don't do algebra. So there, there are so many different ways to look at the, the money issue, but where there's a will, there's a way. And there's so much free stuff out there for homeschoolers that is good quality. Some of it's not, some of it is, and you kind of have to wade through it. But if you're, especially in states where there's quite a few requirements for you know, what you learn at this age and you have to report it, go ahead, log into these free websites and start the process and be looking for ways to supplement. You can get great books at the library to read along with that free curriculum. Uh, You can print free copy work to practice cursive. You know, I could go on for days. You can do free math drills, but it doesn't cost Sometimes you can do it for free, completely free. I've there done are people it. that do. There are people <laughs> who homeschool free. 100% free. Yes. Using so it resources online, the library, yeah. materials. 100% it takes a free. little bit more time, you know, yeah. to prepare. Yeah. But if you got the time and you don't have the money, it's it's definitely doable. Um, yeah, and I, I don't I don't recommend people doing that because, like you yeah. said, uh, quality material is is good and important. Um, yeah. But it can be done. And it can be uh, or yeah, a ahead. little bit of the free and a little bit of the stuff that you pay for. Absolutely. So one question that comes to my mind is when we were homeschooling, there was no homeschool community back then because mm-hmm. my mom was a pioneer and we were way out ahead of the, yeah. the homeschool movement. Uh, we were in Maryland at the time and we just didn't know anyone else that was homeschooling for years and years. And then, um, you know, later they started forming all these homeschool groups and eventually support groups, state organizations, eventually co-ops and things like that. What do you think about the idea of community for someone who's homeschooling? 
our family, my wife and I were both homeschooled. Uh, her mom started a big homeschool support group and co-op and all that. So Brooke did grow up in community. I didn't. I grew up isolated and like, you know, we didn't tell people we homeschooled, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. We had a little different experience. But we haven't really homeschooled in community. We've homeschooled as a family. Uh, but but I think we're an anomaly in that. I think ever, almost everyone I know homeschools in some kind of a pod or a co-op or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, what's been your family's experience with that? But then also, what do, what do you recommend for people? Do you see that as being uh, helpful? Uh, are there upsides and downsides to it? What are your thoughts on, on homeschooling in community with other people? I highly recommend it. I would venture to say that for you and Brooke, you're totally, completely confident in this lifestyle. And so you're going to do it no matter what. It's like your mom did mm-hmm. without anyone around. Not everybody's quite that confident. And so for that reason, I do recommend community and not just Facebook groups either. I've gotten a lot of great advice and made a lot of neat friends online, but it is no substitute for real people mm. around you. Mm. It it depends on where you live and it, it can be hard to find. I So when we were growing up in the 80s, my parents were taught how to homeschool by a couple that lived nearby. And then my aunt at the time who was single jumped in with us. So I had two cousins homeschooling. And then in our little tiny community in Oklahoma, a few other families jumped on board. And so we had like this little community of all new people and we had monthly support meetings. Dads and moms came and we would have a potluck and someone would speak and talk, you know, just be encouraging. And then the parents would put on an end of the year banquet and, you know, kids would get awards. And so I remember those times fondly because we, we played with the kids and my parents and and all the other adults encouraged each other. Some people stayed with homeschooling and some didn't, you know, as still happens. Uh, For me, I've been very blessed to be a part of the same homeschool group all these years where I live. And it's, um, you know, it grew from park days in the 80s to, well, we have a co-op that's been going on for 20 years now. And so it's just an enrichment uh-huh. classes co-op. And it's all With volunteer. the same students who just never graduated, right? Uh, <laughs> okay. Well, my family's been there that long, but, you know, some of my kids have grown up and graduated. Oh. But it's kind of fun because you see a lot of the same families that have been there for a long time. And then this year, the size has doubled because homeschooling has mm-hmm. grown so much. And so I do believe it's important because um, if you're new or you maybe are new to the area or whatever, it's so helpful to to know that there are people that have been doing this a long time and they can reassure you that whatever bad day you're having is probably normal and here's what you do or uh, even curriculum. There's so many choices now. People have no idea where to start. And so you can say, here's this. We use this. You want to look through the book and see what you think or I've always said that our homeschool community is like a second church body because they will help someone move or bring meals when the baby, a new baby is born and mm. take up money collections for someone going through a very difficult time. And so it, it's always been like a second church body for us. For that reason, I'm a big fan of community, but I could stay home all the time too. And it <laughs> wouldn't bother me. But even after all these years, I find support from the other moms too. So everybody needs it. So yeah, I I highly recommend it. 
So how did you know that you were qualified to teach your children? Like, did you have to pass an assessment test that certified you as being qualified? Or did you have to get permission from the government to say, you know, you are in a class of people who are uniquely special and able to teach their own children? Or how did that come about? Well, since my mom had done it on a ninth grade education, I automatically felt qualified. Um, (laughs) That never, ever even crossed my mind. Mm. And the only time I ever deal with that is when other people ask the question. I've never felt unqualified. And I think, you know, I think God just knows what he's doing when he gave me a mother that dropped out in ninth grade and went on to homeschool because I don't care who you are. I can say, yeah, anybody can do this. If my mom did it with very limited resources and no high school diploma, anybody can do it. And and I think sometimes the college degree is a hang up for a lot of people because they they're trying to fit public education into a home. And it, I've had so many teachers tell me when they decide to homeschool, I've had to relearn everything. I haven't had to throw out everything I learned in college and start over and think about home. That's actually one of the lead chapters in your book. Yes. You talk about how you almost kind of have to go through a, a deprogramming. You don't use that word, but, you know, almost like a deprogramming mm-hmm. uh, process, de-schooling. de-schooling mm-hmm. process where you have to not think in, in terms of the system because you're not in the system anymore. And what works in that system isn't necessarily going to work at home. Uh, no, but that's the way we all think because we're all Americans. And so even you and I, who didn't have, I had a little bit of public school, but we still know that's how most of the world works. And so I still think, okay, ninth grade this. And I go, wait a minute, doesn't matter. I'm not there. So it's such a natural way to think that people do really need to unthink that. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. It's so interesting to me that people really do have a mindset now where they feel like they have to get permission from government to do everything. You know, and it's like, well, you mean teach our own children at home? Is that legal? Is that is that something that we're allowed to do? And yes, it is. It is legal in every state in the yeah. U.S. and most countries now. When you talk to somebody who says that they don't feel qualified to homeschool, uh, like let's say, for example, that they say, "Well, I I don't feel like I have enough patience to homeschool." Uh, what What do you say to that parent? I don't either. <laughs> um, You're not just a naturally patient. You weren't born patient. Oh my goodness. No, I used to, even as a kid, I used to think, I wish I was so much more patient and friendly. It's not my natural personality. I'm, I'm kind of a rule follower. I'm a stickler. I'm a thinker. And um, so no, it's not natural for me at all to be patient and never ending graceful at all. (laughs) So, but what I try to, I have to tell myself this every day. And what I try to tell people all the time is to just realize that homeschooling is parenting. It's just more of it. It's full, full, full time parenting. You're not, you're not sending them off for someone else to deal with. You're going to deal with all of their behaviors. Actually, that's very important to to begin with, because if you, if you've got kids who are out of control, homeschooling is not going to work very well. But if you understand my job is also to teach them how to act, then you'll get, I mean, you're going to have kids that don't want to clean their room. So they're not going to want to do their math lessons either. That's kids. So teaching proper behavior and expecting it is part of the deal. And so nobody has that much patience that I know of. You have to teach and model and train 
every single day. <laughs> That's so true. So true. So good. So what about though, if you have a child with special needs, I mean, obviously those children need to be in the school, right? <laughs> Everyone has been led to think that way because of individual education plans, the IEP. And it's just like almost anything else we've been taught that parents are not qualified to do almost anything anymore. We're not qualified to make decisions on anything. We need experts. But even with special needs, I know there are some extreme special needs where obviously parents need help or assistance. But um, what I see out there is a, a whole a whole spectrum of different things like learning disorders or behavioral disorders, neurological changes. It's hard to address all special needs at once, but what I would say is, and from the parents I talked to, the home is the best place for those kids because they're not put in a special program that basically keeps them behind or caters to this special need only. They're at home. They're allowed to thrive on whatever schedule those special needs require, whatever food, whatever um, medical needs they have. There's so many things that a school is still limited to, but at home, you can bring in therapists or take them to the therapist when they need to, or uh, whatever medical needs or nutritional needs they have, or sleep or special education needs, whether it's special equipment or not writing or writing more, you know, it's such a broad question, but whatever it is at home, you're in charge of that IEP. And I've actually read and shared an article about how to design your own. Um, but the stress of living that life for a special needs child living on the school schedule is taken completely away and they're allowed to be a kid and those special needs don't have to define them at home. So this is not something that I've dealt with personally, but I've talked to so many people, I have friends, you know, I have personal friends here in my town that deal with it. And I've asked them a lot of questions. And so I did address that in my book, not from my own special experience, but from moms that I know personally, and I've watched them, they've been in our co-op for years. And, you know, I've just seen how they just kind of adapt along the way every single day. And they still provide their kids an education. And um, one of those kids just graduated um, last week from high school. And, he, you know, he drives a car and very normal kid. And I know that word normal can be offensive. But my point is, he was just allowed to be who he was at home. And his parents could adapt to whatever his needs were. And even in our co-op, we could adapt for that. And it was still comfortable and friendly and he got everything he needed. So that's great. Not, it's not an impediment at all. One resource that I always direct people to if they have children who have special needs is HSLDA's website, Homeschool Legal Defense Association, hslda.org. They have a whole section on their website Mm -hmm. Uh, where they address special needs and you can talk to people on staff there uh, who can get you plugged into resources. So HSLD. There's so many people that are producing homeschool resources for all these different special needs too. And so it's not, it's not hard to find whatever, whatever that need is, it's not hard to find something that'll work for you. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I'm going to throw a complete curveball at you. This is a question that um, you would not have expected me to ask because I just thought of it just now. Okay. Um, so what about the parent who says, well, we might homeschool 
in the early years or whatever, but we'll probably put them in the high school uh, in, in their teen years because we want them to be able to play sports. And then maybe the thought of, well, is it possible for our kid to be homeschooled and play public school sports? Uh, I know you have some thoughts on that. What are your thoughts? I do. First of all, um, on high school itself, I would say two things. Number one, in my experience, and I've graduated two kids so far, high school has been my favorite part of homeschooling. And not because I am a genius, because math and science are my weakest subjects. And so you can imagine how that feels when you've got kids who need their high school math and science. It's not really an issue because I've worked, I found curriculum that helps us or you know, outside classes or tutors. And so all of that is so not important. It's their hearts that's important. And high school is a time when there's so much social pressure. And in today's world, I mean, just the last year or two, it's exploded with so many more kinds of social pressure than you and I would have had in high school that it's not worth it. It's just not worth it. I don't care I don't care how great the football team is or whatever. It's not worth it to expose your kids to someone else's worldview for multiple hours a day just because high school might seem a little harder or because there might be more opportunities, you know, for extracurricular activities. I am pretty passionate about not getting involved with government funds and um, the public school system if you have opted out of it because what I always say is, what was your reason for getting out of that school system? Think that through, write it down, and then ask yourself if you're ready to jump back in, because that's exactly what will happen if you want that football opportunity or the UIL or, you know, all those different things that people say. And so specifically on joining the public school system for those activities, you know, my first answer still stands, it's not worth it for their hearts. But number two, um, I live in a rural community in North Texas. Our county is has a population of 39,000. So that's how small this area is. And we have had so many opportunities for our homeschool kids that the public school offers too. We, we have our own sports association with sports teams and they go to local and national tournaments and they win and they play against public schools and they play against private schools. We have a cotillion where kids learn formal dance and formal um, dining etiquette. We have a homeschool band that learns to play, you know, they perform in public and uh, we have, I, I could go on, but what I'm trying to say is this rural county in North Texas, we're at least an hour away from Dallas. We have whatever we want because a parent said, oh, I want my kids to do this and I'll be glad to head it up. I'll find someone who can teach basketball. I'll find someone who can, you know, teach my kids to play the trumpet. We will get this done. And that's what parents need to do. They And, and it's hard because like you said, we look to the government or to experts to do everything for us. But parents can do all of this. Parents can set up a sports association. That's exactly how ours happened. I was at the meeting. Everything that you want your kids to do, you just find a way to do it. That's all there is to it. And our co-op has so many classes that are, most of them are not academic. They're just extracurriculars like cooking. And we have a flag core, you know, like they do at the public school football team. So we have everything that any parent wants because we just stepped up and made it happen. So 
going back again to, to me, homeschooling is about discipleship. I know that you feel the same way. And, and if a discipleship is our goal, there's nothing the public school offers that could ever beat that, that could ever be important enough to give up your daily discipleship for. And so I'm not a fan of Tebow bills. I do not think high school is the time to give up because that is when you're shaping those young adults, those high school years are the last few you have to really, really impact those teenagers before they go off and do whatever it is they're going to do because you've already taught them to read and do math. And now you're teaching them to use that and to think and, and like we talked about earlier, the worldview. So it's, those are such important years. That's the last thing I would give up is teaching them in, in that period. The government schools do disciple children. Yes, they do. But they don't disciple the them for Jesus. Yeah. So, so let me uh, ask you this. You mentioned that you're opposed to uh, government funding. Mm-hmm. Um, why is that problematic? I think most people would say, well, it's my money. You know, I pay taxes. Shouldn't I get some benefit out of it? Why is it problematic to uh, take government money for homeschooling? Well, I believe that once we have paid those taxes to the government, they're not our money anymore. <laughs> they um, certainly that- don't see it that way, do they? <laughs> no, they don't. You have to beg and plead to get anything back from the IRS. So uh, that's my first answer is it's not your money anymore. And if you want to just, if you want to have a say in how it's spent, then vote and run for office, you know, get it changed at the, at the government level, what they're doing with the money. If we believe that home education is about discipleship, and I do, I know you do, then allowing the government to help us with it is kind of, it doesn't make any sense at all. And I know that there are places where people get money and they say they can choose the materials and that there is no uh, oversight, but It either will start with no oversight and it'll eventually creep in, as has been shown in many states, or it starts with some oversight. And for the government to approve what you do in your kitchen or living room is basically what that comes down to. And I don't want the government to decide what books we're reading or how often I talk about critical race theory or do my books give a a great positive view of homosexuality. That's what we're talking about here. (laughs) And so they might give me a free computer and pay for horse riding lessons and all that, but it's not going to stop there. The government never, ever goes backwards on their intrusion. It always grows bigger. And if people don't believe that, then they need to read some more because there's never been an instance of government help that didn't get worse and worse and worse. And so in a homeschooling situation, pay for your own stuff, use the free stuff. Do not let the government's foot in that door because they will not ever take it back out. What, one of the resources that comes to my mind that I want to mention, because we talked about single parents earlier, mm-hmm. um, Homeschool Legal Defense Association started a nonprofit. It's called the Homeschool Foundation. That's right. So homeschoolfoundation.org uh, is a place where you can actually apply for grants if you're in a situation where you are a single parent or you have some sort of uh, financial needs, maybe a special needs child. You can apply for grants that you can put towards curriculum. Mm -hmm. And so oftentimes um, there are resources out there that are available that maybe you didn't know are available. Yes. Um, And so that's why you need to get uh, Nikki's book, Anyone Can Homeschool. And Nikki, tell us where where people can order this book and how they can get in touch with you and, and stay connected with you. 
The book is available on Amazon in print and Kindle versions. And then I also sell it straight from my website, NikkiTruesdale.com. And I am on Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, and Gab for anyone that uh, wants to follow on any social media. And my website, NikkiTruesdale.com, also has a place to subscribe to my emails or text messages. And that's where I do most of my blogging about homeschooling. So by now, somebody's probably grabbed a pen and they are looking for paper and they're going to write your website down. Why don't you spell that for them? Because I will. if they're like me, you're always like, okay, there's like five different ways that I could possibly <laughs> spell that name. Yeah, no so one gets do, it right. Spell that. Let's give, give them the proper spelling so they can get to your website and not to some, some other place. It is Nikki, N-I-C-K-I, Truesdell, T-R-U-E-S-D-E-L-L dot com. And I also have a website called Knowledge Keepers Bookstore where I am pretty passionate about old books and um, reprinting the old ones, selling used ones. And so I I feel very um, strongly that we're losing our civilization because the Internet is easily revised and updated and museums update their information and schools obviously don't teach history correctly. And so the uh, other thing that I do is try to work to get people to build their own home libraries and to preserve the old history before it disappears completely. And so that one is Knowledge Keepers Bookstore. Uh, Well, excellent. Well, thank you so much. You've been a wealth of information. I really hope that our viewers and listeners will take time to order your book, to share it with friends. Honestly, this is the kind of book that you may say, well, I've been homeschooling for a long time. I already know that I can homeschool. I don't feel like I need this book. You do need this book because you have friends who don't homeschool. And increasingly, uh, people are looking for alternative options. Mm -hmm. And when they come to you and say, I'm looking for a resource and I want to be able to uh, learn about homeschooling. Don't know if it's for me or not, but I'm interested in information. Uh, Nikki's book is a great place uh, to start. And so you need to have the book on hand, uh, be familiar with it to know who to loan it to and to share it to and, and you know, buy, buy extra copies to give to friends. Um, it'd be a great a idea. Do that. Yeah, it'd be a great idea to have it, uh, to purchase it for your church's library, to put it in the church library because um, people can you know, people maybe just looking through browsing for something and see that and go, anyone can homeschool. I don't think that's true. And then they pull it off the shelf and and learn that they too can homeschool. So uh, I encourage you to visit her website, connect with her on social media. And Nikki, once again, thank you so much for uh, for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this audio presentation. For more information on Family Renewal, the writing and speaking ministry of Brooke and Israel Wayne, please visit FamilyRenewal.org.